0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.
1: It's Monday, January 30th, 2023, and you're listening to The Gateway. Good morning. I'm Rod Milam, in for Wayne Pratt. Many states across the Midwest have lost more than 5% of their original wetlands, and it could be more, depending on how the Supreme Court rules on a controversial case to define the waters of the United States. It will mean that there are many important waters and wetlands that are no longer protected by law at all. We'll have that story coming up later on in the podcast, but first, the news. More than 50 people gathered in front of the St. Louis Police Department headquarters this weekend to mourn Tyree Nichols. Five Memphis police officers are charged with murdering Nichols earlier this month, and the release of video on Friday night showing the beating sparked protests around the country, including in St. Louis. Reverend Daryl Gray says many demonstrators have been gathering for years to decry police officers killing black people, even though some are exhausted. Gray says they must speak out. We've had our share of problems with police officers in this city. And so unfortunately it took Tyree's death for us to be here, uh, but we're here. The St. Louis region became an epicenter for protest over police accountability after a Ferguson police officer shot and killed Michael Brown in 2014. A Missouri lawmaker wants their legislature to tackle the state's high maternal mortality rate, Representative Jamie Johnson of Kansas City introduced a measure this month that would require insurance agencies to cover doula and midwifery services. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. Under Missouri law, insurance companies only have to reimburse patients who pay for midwifery services. Doula services aren't covered. Johnson's bill would require insurance companies to issue direct payments to midwifery and doula providers. She says the bill would particularly help black women who often claim hospital staff discriminate against them. That's why many seek doula and midwifery support.
0: Missouri currently ranked 43rd in maternal mortality, and we know that any stat that covers the general population is always probably a little bit worse in communities of
1: color. Johnson says the bill also would help patients in rural communities. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Metro East residents can view and weigh in on new preliminary maps that depict flood risk in the area. The Federal Emergency Management Agency held four open houses the past few weeks for maps. FEMA had not updated those maps since 2003. The maps zone residents into different risk areas. High risk areas require residents to purchase flood insurance. Advocates worry some communities of color may get improperly zoned and may be stuck footing an expensive bill. We absolutely share the concern about the impact of flood maps on historically underserved communities. Approaching equity is everything in this administration. Shulman says they want to engage with the residents so that they can stay informed. The maps are available for viewing or to request a change at FEMA's website. Shulman expects the maps will become final in 2025. The Federal Emergency Management Agency held four open houses in Metro East communities in the last few weeks. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports the goal was to educate the public about new flood maps for the area.
0: FEMA presented preliminary maps that depict flood risk in Madison, St. Clair, and Monroe counties. These communities have historically been flood-prone. FEMA and community organizers say they want Metro East residents to be aware of any changes. East St. Louis native, Cherise Yates, attended the open house in her hometown last week. Her home flooded last July when heavy rains inundated the area.
1: I've been with that house all of my life, and I have never known that home
0: ever in my life. To ever be flooded at all. Yates found out last week her home got zoned into a higher-risk area. That means flood insurance is now required. Lucky for Yates, she purchased some before the flooding. For others in her neighborhood, they may also need to get coverage. I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio.
1: More than 300,000 agricultural jobs were performed in the U.S. last year by migrant workers through the H-2A visa program. A proposal to reform the nation's migrant labor practices, including a pathway to legal status, failed to make it through Congress in December. James O'Neill with the American Business Immigration Coalition says consumers are on the hook because the Senate was unable to reach a consensus. And
0: because it didn't become law, you know, we expect that Americans will continue to pay more. Their grocery bills will continue to
1: skyrocket. The legislation would have capped increases for migrant workers' floor and ceiling wage rates, saving farmers more than $2 billion. It also would have extended some H-2A visas, allowing laborers to work longer seasons. Experts say the new GOP led House is unlikely to pick up the legislation anytime soon. The Environmental Protection Agency recently released new rules regarding the waters of the United States that decides which bodies of water fall under federal protection. But a case the U.S. Supreme Court is expected to rule on soon throws those rules into question and could mean less protection for wetlands. Harvest Public Media and Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk Juan Pablo Ramirez-Franco reports on what the Sackett v. EPA case may mean for wetlands in the Midwest and beyond.
0: Doug Blodgett is walking up the remnants of the old levee at the Nature Conservancy's Emiguan Preserve in central Illinois. Twenty years ago, before the conservancy took over the nearly 7,000 acres, it was corn and soybean fields. The restoration reconnected the floodplains to the Illinois River, and Blodgett recalls the day he realized the migratory birds were back in a big way. There were, I don't know, 100,000 snow geese out here, and they all got up at once, and it was about this time in the morning, and the sun just disappeared. You could not see a ray of sunlight shining through those. According to the Nature Conservancy, Emiquon is among the largest floodplain restorations, anywhere in the Midwest. Millions of migratory birds pass through the wetlands every year, not to mention the countless number of native plants and fish species that call the flourishing refuge home. But Blodgett says many wetlands aren't so lucky. Illinois has lost nearly 90% of its original wetlands. The majority of Midwestern states, about 50%. Yeah, we, we don't have enough now, and so we can't afford to lose more. But protections for wetlands are up in the air. Last fall, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments for the Sackett v. EPA case, a 14-year legal battle launched from the backyard of an Idaho couple, the Sacketts, seeking to fill their lake-adjacent property with gravel. The EPA stopped them. The case, which has been to the Supreme Court twice now, challenges the federal protections. The Clean Water Act provides the some waters and wetlands under the definition of Waters of the United States. Mark Davis directs the Tulane Institute on Water Resources Law and Policy in New Orleans. He calls the Sackett case just the latest in a long line of challenges to the Clean Water Act. At stake is the federal government's jurisdiction over the nation's most valuable natural resource, water. It will mean that there are many important waters and wetlands that are no longer protected by law at all. Davis says larger wetlands, such as Emequan, will be fine. But it's the smaller, more isolated wetlands and streams that are on the line. They're critical to the overall wetland system, which supports all kinds of wildlife. Although wetlands cover just 6% of the Earth's land surface, it's estimated that 40% of all species rely on them. Davis likes to call them nature's sponge. They hold water, they slow water, and you know they do it naturally while providing any number of other benefits. And they don't normally charge you a penny for it. If the court rules in favor of the Sackets and limits federal agencies' jurisdiction to regulate some of the nation's wetlands, experts say it would leave states to do that work, and that would create a patchwork of protections. MySacon with the Mississippi River Network says wetlands don't follow state lines, and the Mississippi River basin covers over a million square miles and 31 states. Relying on different states to make up different rules ignores how What happens in one part of the Mississippi River has impacts on another. A two-lane study found that 24 states rely on the Clean Water Act to regulate wetlands in their states. That means that they would have limited wetland regulations if the Supreme Court narrows the scope of the Clean Water Act. The court is expected to return a decision on the Sackett case sometime early this year. For now, the future for many of the country's wetlands, especially those seemingly isolated from navigable rivers or streams, remains uncertain. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Juan Pablo Ramírez
1: Franco. And this story was a collaboration between Harvest Public Media and the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk. St. Louis Public Radio is a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Our music today was by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Rod Milam with The Gateway. Have a good day.
0: Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.